You're listening to Run, R-U-N, Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. As pastor of the Smithton Outpouring and the Kansas City Revival, Steve is a leading voice of revival worldwide. Steve shares his life-changing encounters with God, along with biblical teaching that equips you to experience and lead lasting revival. Come, run with Steve and expect God to revive us now. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another Revive Us Now podcast. I am your host, Steve Gray, and today we're going to talk about revival, of course, but I want to talk about the next leaders of revival. Somebody got to lead this thing and know how to lead this thing. I was able to lead two moves of God, one in the 90s, and we had five and six services a week for three and a half years. That's a lot of leadership plus traveling and preaching all of them. We didn't have guest preachers. No, I preached them all. And, uh, and then in 2008, for almost three years, broadcast on the Daystar television network, and we went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's still a lot of services. And so how do you do that? There's got to be leaders who can maintain it, who can keep the congregation together, who can uh, uh, keep the preaching up, the worship up, the presence of God up. And so we're going to need some leaders. Now today, I'm not going to talk about how to lead a revival. I'm going to talk about how to become that leader where God picks you. God picks you to be the next leader because I'm looking for him. I'm scouting out everywhere I go like, that could be a leader. There's a leader, the next move of God. So I know if I'm looking, God must be looking too. So I, I went to the scripture. I've been talking about this scripture a little bit recently. It's an amazing scripture because Paul writes to Timothy and compares the mental and, and physical lifestyle of a soldier to someone who serves God. And he, he does it because, now, let's, let's think of this a minute. This was the professional soldier. They would have known it. Timothy would have known it. The professional soldier was one very separated to the, the job at hand. They were professional soldiers. And he says, no soldier, this is in 2 Timothy 2. Paul writes, no soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Translate that out. No soldier who signs up, they get, you know, you get new, another set of clothes and throw you into the barracks and they tell you when you get up and when you go to sleep, you know, especially in boot camp days. And uh, you can't get in, involved in civilian affairs. You, you're, not, you're not going to the movies when you want to. You're not. No, you, you have to now do what you're told. And we can compare that, that no soldier gets entangled in the world, worldly affairs. If you're going to serve Jesus, you can't be entangled. You can't be caught in the thicket of the world, worldly attitudes, like everybody else. You know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anybody else. But if you want to be a leader, you want to be chosen by God to maybe lead something great, make history, be a history maker, or support a history maker. Not everybody has to be the preacher. There's a lot of things to do. In a great move of God, you support, you pray, you intercede, you do spiritual warfare. You know, there's, oh, there's so many things that people get to do. And a lot of people were nobodies, if I can use that, if you understand that term. At least they consider themselves nobodies, not doing much. And the power of God will hit. And all of a sudden, nobodies become powerful somebodies, prophetic warriors in prayer. And I've seen it twice. That could be you. 
And so here he says, you know, if you're going to do this, you've got to start thinking like a soldier. Well, how's a soldier think? He said, they don't get entangled. They're not entangled in civilian affairs. And so that's the first thing we got to look at. What's Jesus doing in your life? If he's wanting to call you to something great, if you ever thought, you know, I think God's trying to get me to be a lot greater than I am. He's calling me to something greater than what I'm doing. What's the first thing that's going to happen? He's going to start disentangling you. Get you out of everything you're entangled. Every addiction, every habit, every wrong kind of thinking, maybe wrong kind of friends, you know, attitudes, barking at home. If you're married, you're barking at the wife or husband, you know, and all just all the disentanglement that everybody else does. Well, everybody else can do it if they want to, but not you. See, not you. I remember thinking about that. He said, a uh, long time ago, an old guy came up to me and he said, Steve, you know, you got to walk in holiness. And he says, don't get confused about that. That doesn't mean that everything else, everybody else is doing is bad. They can do it. It's for them, but it's not for you. And I learned what holiness was. Doesn't mean that, that what they were doing was bad. It just means it's not for me because it's distracting and it's entangling. So first thing Jesus going to do, He's going to disentangle your life. And if you don't understand that, you'll get confused. You'll get hurt. So you, he's going to get all that out of you, disentangle you. But it's a problem because when Jesus uh, approaches people today, it's strange. Because rather than meet a person disentangled, he meets a person who's disgruntled. We live in a disgruntled society and, and now we got to disentangle you. He's got to disentangle you for everything you're so disgruntled about. Mad at everybody, mad at the boss, mad at your wife, mad at the world, mad at God, mad at the pastor, mad at the church. You're just disgruntled. Everybody did you wrong. You're a victim of everybody, and it's not your fault, right? You got to get disentangled from all that. That's, that's the farthest thing from Jesus who teaches us to lay down our lives. And if somebody takes your cloak, turn around, give them your coat. If they hit you on the cheek, turn and let them hit you on the other cheek. And some of you are disgruntled. You're, you're so upset because they hit you on the first cheek. Well, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. After you turn the other cheek, if you want to get disgruntled, all right. But if you haven't turned the other cheek yet, come on, let's get this right. So the problem is Jesus is looking for leaders in the next great move of God, and he's finding a bunch of disgruntled people that need to be disentangled. So Paul wrote and said, if a good soldier is not entangled in civilian affairs, but lives. Oh, that's a great word. But lives to please his commanding officer, and the commanding officer in our case is Jesus, right? And we're living to please the commanding officer. So, I mean, okay, that's an obvious statement. You think, well, of course, we're all living to please Jesus. But let's put it into practical. How many people do you know really living to please Jesus, and how many are living to please themselves? Going to church or consider themselves Christians. They got a Bible. I got a Bible sitting right over here. I can have a Bible. But I could be living to please myself while I think, yeah, I kind of want to do what Jesus wants. So it says the, the, the soldier who would be considered the leader in the next great move of God doesn't live uh, to please themselves. And here's a problem with that. Uh, without being critical of it, most preaching today 
is preaching of how to learn or try to please yourself. In other words, most sermons that, that are floating around are, let me tell you how to please yourself. Do this. Think this way. Think this way so yourself will be pleased. You know, consider this. Consider that and yourself will feel better. Here's the problem with trying to please yourself. Yourself is never pleased. Just try it. Try pleasing yourself. See, it'd be great if you could listen to one of those self-pleasing, just do this and soothe you and all that. And you go to church and you walk out of church and say, there, that did it. Myself is pleased. I'm going to get through another year. Myself's not going to want another thing for another year. But it doesn't work that way. You hear this sermon and it soothes yourself and you, hey, I feel better about myself until tomorrow. Now you don't feel good about yourself again. Now you got to hurry back. Get another sermon that pleases and makes you feel better and soothes the self. But Jesus said that's not how it works. You get free of that. In other words, now you're going to live to please somebody else. Pleasing yourself is always short-lived, right? And it, it, it's so deceptive. You could, I remember preaching on this some years ago, and uh, my daughter, she wanted this car, you know, her first car. And she started talking to me about her first car, and she'd see that car, and there'd be the same car sitting there every day, and she'd want that car, you know. And uh, I talked to her about it, and it kind of came across to me like she's thinking, like, if I could just get that car, if I could just get that car, then everything would be good, and I'd be so happy. And I told her, I said, so here's what you're telling me. If I buy that car, you're never going to want another car. This is going to make you happy for the rest of your life. I just got to buy one car, and this is going to do it for you. Well, she knew that wasn't true, but that's how we think. See, the self is never satisfied. What is satisfying is when we get to be a servant and a soldier who lives to please our commanding officer. You know one of the great stories in the Bible about two women, and before you think, well, there he goes, he's going to hit on women. No, these women are great examples of two types of women on both extremes. You know their names, Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary. And so they're there at their house, and Jesus is there, and, and uh, Martha's cooking in the kitchen, and she's all upset that Mary's not cooking in the kitchen. You know that story. And so Jesus, she comes to Jesus and says, tell Mary to get in here and help me in the kitchen. And the answer is fantastic. Jesus says to Martha, you, Martha, Martha, you are entangled. You are worried. You are anxious about many things. Oh, did you get that? It wasn't she just anxious about she had to cook a meal because she did. It's right to feed everybody. We're not going to say, don't worry, we don't need to eat, of course. Yeah, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was she was entangled in many, many things. She's not going to be a leader. She can't lead. She's caught in the briar, right? She's caught in the thicket of many things. And then he said, but Mary, she's over here. She's chosen the best part. And she was seated at the feet of Jesus, seated over there in the, where Jesus is going to be, in a disciple position. So if you think the Bible's prejudiced against women, you don't know what just took place. Because Mary was taking on the position of a female disciple of Jesus. And Jesus didn't correct it. He said, she has chosen the best part. And, and, and so in other words, living at the feet of Jesus is not a calling. He doesn't call you to his feet. You choose it. She, Martha could have done it too. 
get it done, get free. She could have cooked in the kitchen and been at the feet of Jesus, but she was so worried and anxious and so entangled. We get entangled, we can be a leader. We can be a leader. That's a lifestyle, getting rid of civilian uh, cares. And you know, uh, you, you know this scripture from Isaiah chapter 6 where uh, God says, whom shall I send? And, and the prophet says, here I am, send me. And most people get this picture like, okay, God's going to send me. And they get a picture there in some country somewhere sitting in a hut, you know. And I've been in those huts. I've been in around the world. Funny thing about it, I was down in uh, South America and down in Central America, Guatemala. And I'm sitting in a hut. And guess what? Every one of those huts had cable television. They all had a cable coming into it. <laughs> They're all watching Disney and... <laughs> It was, wasn't exactly the hut living I expected. But anyway, we get the idea. Here I am, send me. We see ourselves in China or, or, or um, Africa or, or someplace like that. And not realizing that's not going to happen to most of us. It's going to happen to some of us. But you know what's going to happen to most of us? It's going to happen exactly what happened to me. I said, here I am, send me. Guess where he sent me? Right back to my church. Right back to my church to become a leader of a great move of God, the leader of revival. And that's going to happen to most of you. See, most of you, you don't going to have to you'd say, send me. I, I want to do God, God's will. Use me, Lord. He's not going to make you quit your job and send you to some cable vision hut in South America. No, you're going to be sent right where you are. You keep your job, take on the mind of a servant and a soldier, start pleasing the Lord right where you are. The last thing we need is to send you to another country while you practice being, you know, practice living the, the, the life of selflessness. We don't want you to practice. You'll be collecting offerings. They send me. I'm a missionary now while I'm down here practicing the, the selfless life. No, let's win it now. Let's win it now and get into your church. You know where he's going to send most of us? Right back to our church and say, let's get a move of God right back in our church. This is where we need it done. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I know that, you know, the Cane Ridge revival back there in the 1800s, it was out in the country. A lot of people use that as an example saying, see, there's where God moved. They were on tree stumps preaching the word of God. Yeah. But you know what happened after all those thousands or hundreds of people left, you know where they went? They all left and they built churches all over mid America. In fact, the church in Smithton that I took was built in 1859 and was a result of the influences of those revival days. And they built those white churches, you know, that you see on all the postcards out of the, out of the revival. So what did people do? They got a move of God and struck by the power of God out in the country. And then they all went and built a church so people could meet together. Most of us get it. You want to be a leader of the great next move of God and be a part of it? Most of us are going to be sent right back to our churches, right back there with a soldier mentality. That's what we need, that you're, you're going in there to please the commanding officer, Jesus, not to live for yourself, not to soothe yourself, but to live for him and to soothe him and make him feel good. And so that way we get, we clear this thing up and don't have just people jumping all over the world looking for revival, but we go back to where we can do the most good with the right attitude. I remember the psalmist said, Psalm 27, four, the psalmist said, you know what? This one thing I ask, 
Yeah, it reminds me of Mary, right? She chose the one best thing at the feet of Jesus. She, she, she didn't wait to be called to it. She made the choice to be at the feet of Jesus. And the psalmist, Psalm 27, one thing I ask and one thing I seek, and that is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That guy, and it could be a gal, that guy, he wanted to go right back to God's house and meet the Lord there, and that's what we want. We need leaders of revival. Get right back into your church, and let's have a great, great move of God. May God open the heavens and come down. Till next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. Push the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and spread the word on social media. For more episodes and resources, go to reviveusnowpodcast.com. Until next time, keep on running for revival. Revival.